Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. John Harvin here with you. You know, Facebook is now the largest purveyor of news in the United States. More Americans get their news from Facebook than any other source, NBC's claims notwithstanding. And increasingly, uh, <laughs> and I, I kind of laugh when I say increasingly because this has been going on for decades now, but in particular over the last decade, uh, that news has had a right-wing tilt to it. The information that people are getting out of Facebook has had a right-wing tilt to it. So how is that happening? What's going on? Why and how are social media dominating or being dominated by right-wing, in many cases, dis or misinformation sources? Judd Legum is the journalist and founder of Popular.info. Popular.info, the website, of course, his Twitter handle is Judd Legum, J-U-D-D-L-E-G-U-M. And he's on the line with us right now. Judd, your report today on popular.info, I, I subscribe to it. And I'll put it right up front. I think everybody should. It's, it's just a great newsletter uh, over on Substack. And it just blew my mind what Facebook is letting these guys get away with. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, it came to my attention that there was a website. I, I had come across it in the past, but I, I saw it more and more called Conservative Brief. Not really one that you hear much about, not really one that's talked about. It doesn't really produce content that would get people talking about it because most of it's just aggregations of tweets and YouTubes. And there's a million sites like this on the Internet. But this one had become very, very popular on Facebook. And I started digging into it and discovered you know, through getting some data from an uh, analytics company, that they had actually recently become more popular on Facebook than either the New York Times or the Washington Post. So digging into that a little bit, I tried to figure out why or how they had become so popular. And what I found is that there were a series uh, or a whole group of very influential mostly far-right conservatives, people like Dinesh D'Souza, uh, who's just a longtime polemicist, Bridget Gabriel, who, who really focuses more on anti-Islam type stuff. But anyway, there's a whole group of these folks, and they're posting every day, you know, 10, 12 links to conservative brief, all in succession. Hmm. 
And uh, this is driving their popularity because Urban Brief doesn't even have its own Facebook page. And then looking even further into it, if you see how they're posting the links, they're they're essentially posting it with a unique code that allows them to get credit from Conservative Brief for how much traffic they're driving. So what it looks like to me is that there is a pay-to-play operation going on, meaning that Conservative Brief is paying these right-wing influencers uh, to post their content and in so doing, are have able to been really successful at manipulating the Facebook algorithm. Now, is that against the Facebook rules? Yes, that is the Facebook against the Facebook rules. In fact, in 2020, a couple of years ago, I found a, a similar scheme that involved the Daily Wire. They were paying another different group of Facebook pages to post their content using the same technique. And Facebook admitted, yes, this was against its rules. They they said that it had to stop. They issued some punishments or some enforcement actions, as they called them. And uh, and that was that. This time, though, they I, I did I did reach out to them and, and got in touch with them, but they ultimately declined to comment. Wow, that's that's and and if I recall correctly from reading your article this morning, the woman who was running the 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 scam operation two years ago is now running the current scam operation do i have that right they, there's there's some overlap uh there's there's a guy um i think his name is carmen sabia oh okay i, I assume that was a, a, a was, forgive yeah me. <laughs> yeah it, 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 he is actually a bit but he was involved with the site that um, the Daily Wire was paying to post its links. Right. And now he's part of the conservative brief and one of their three employees. So, uh, you know, it has occurred to me many, many times that uh, much of the conservative Sturm and Drang is really not about ideology it's really about making money i mean this the, the kevin rudd the former prime minister of australia pointed out that this is what Mur rupert murdoch has been doing for 40 years and that it has he, you know he, his article was in the sydney morning herald and it was titled rupert murdoch is the cancer at the core of australian democracy and he said he did it to he did it to australia to make money then he went to the uk and did it and did to make money by this time now he's a billionaire he came to the united states he's doing it to us to make money it's not about ideology. It's about making money, and 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 I, you know, I mean, I've I've been in in this radio business now for 19 years, and I've known a lot of right wing radio hosts, and a lot of them get spiffed just hugely. I mean, like, you know, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars speaking fees for talking to a group of 12 people as as a way that some of these right wing conservative foundations um, will just keep them going, right? Even you know, it, it, mm -hmm. it's just. Yeah, it's just money floating all over the place in the right wingosphere. Um, to what extent do you think that these guys are just running a con or a scam to make money, you know, with outrage on the, 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 the gullible Americans who then react to this by showing up on January 6th or in a trucker convoy or something or at the school board? Really not because they care about the issues, but because, hey, let's make some money here. Yeah, I think money is a huge part of this. You know, if you look at the conservative brief website, it is 
just you can barely read the articles. There's so many ads. I mean, there's ad units popping up everywhere. It, it was it's kind of like the internet was in you know 2002 before people got got sick of so many ads. Yeah. Um, and so any traffic that's getting driven, they're they're probably able to make a fair amount of money. Uh, because each of those ad units, even if it's only you know a few pennies, that that will add up over time. Especially because Facebook, if you're very popular on Facebook, has the ability to direct a large amount of traffic. So right. these posts are very valuable. So conservative brief is making money. It's likely that these folks who are posting the links are making money, and I think at the same time they're probably happy to do so because. These sites do match their ideology. I mean, a lot of right. the folks who are doing this, like a D'Souza, is really a conspiracy theorist and you know, says all sorts of outrageous things. And this is a site that promotes a lot of that type of stuff. Right. So, you know, m- most of what you'll read about Conservative Brief, if, if you Google it, will, are all the fact checkers who, who are talking about how this article or that article is not true uh, that was posted on conservative brief and then went viral on Facebook. So, uh-huh. you know, that's, that's, so even, even there in dismissing, a, there's an alignment, there's an alignment politically as well, but I do agree with you that I do think the primary goal here is to make money. Right. Yeah. How granular are these rules? For example, uh, you know, you, you just outed these guys. Can they get around it? So Dinesh D'Souza, you know, he was one of the big players here. He's got over a million followers on Facebook. He's been posting these things to conservative brief like crazy, which kind of suggests he's being paid to do it, although we don't know for sure. But couldn't he just put a a disclaimer and say, you know, uh, we may receive some compensation from conservative brief for posting this? Would that then put him in compliance? You can't do that. No, they have a Facebook. That's a fairly strict rule, and I, I got very familiar with this a couple of years ago when I first started doing this kind of reporting. That says if you don't, if you're not involved in creating the content, you can't be compensated for publishing it. Now you can, like on Instagram, you know, you can do a sponsored post where you go and you say, "Hey, this new face cream is great," and blah blah blah, and then the the face cream makers, you know, pays you money and you disclose it. That's okay, but you can't just publish content that someone else has made or a link like that and and get paid for it. So if you're you're linking to a commercial product and you're revealing that they actually sponsor you, um, then that's that's within the realm of what's okay with from Facebook, because that's all above board. There's no deception going on. That's right. But but you can't just say, hey, I've been compensated to post this link. Now, here's what happened since I published this article this morning. And I'll, I'll have an update tomorrow. I'll be, we'll see what happens with this sure. and how Facebook reacts. But but and I'll have an update tomorrow. But what's happened is the About page, which used to list three people. That's one of the things I highlighted, that this site that's now bigger than, than the New York Times and the Washington Post on Facebook only has three people working for it, has now been changed. And all of the people that I listed as posting these links are now, and, and actually a few others, are now listed as contributor slash influencers. Now, ah. none of these people are actually contributors because they haven't, you know, they haven't written for this site. They haven't contributed right. anything to this site. But it is effectively an admission that there is a relationship, uh. and these these people are getting paid uh, as a result of that relationship. Uh, but I think what they're trying to do is, you know, claim that they're you know, somehow employees involved in the site in some more meaningful way because it it is the case like. 
if you are, you know, if you work for CNN and you have your own page and you post CNN content, CNN is paying you money. They're not paying you to post the content, but that's okay because you're getting paid for some other work you're doing for the company, and then you just happen to be posting CNN content, yeah. right? But but you can't just be paid to post. So they're trying to see if they can get around this. I mean, it seems pretty transparent to me, but we'll see what Facebook does. Yeah, amen. John Legum, the uh, newsletter uh, popular.info, and it's great. You need to check it out. You can subscribe for free, in fact. Um, uh, popular.info. Uh, John, thanks a lot for dropping by. Great talking with you. Thanks, Tom. And you can follow Judd over on Twitter, by the way, as Judd, L-E-G-U-N, J-U-D-D, Legum. Peggy in Boise, Idaho. Hey, Peggy, what's up? Hi. I have a question about economics. Mm -hmm. Since we have going to have inflation, and it, is there anything out there that we can use to offset some of the inflations? Are the banks going to be able to give us better interest rates for savings accounts? Is, would this be a way that we could offset some of this? Or have the banks got things screwed up so that uh, we won't even make money that way? Yeah. And I can take my question off the air. No, it's it's okay, Peggy. Odds are that, there, well, there, there certainly will be a lag. I mean, if interest rates go up substantially, like if interest rates were, were to go up to 5% so that you could actually put your money in a CD and, and keep it at par, you know, there's not lose its value to inflation. Um, number one, that would take probably a year or so to get there. Uh, it certainly did back in the 70s. Um, and number two, we are in so much debt right now. And I'm not talking about the federal debt, although that's pretty bad. But the family debt in the United States is at literally an all-time high. The history of the United States, corporate debt in the United States is at an all-time high. And it's all based on the assumption that interest rates are going to stay really low. If interest rates were to go up really high, that could provoke an economic crisis in and of itself. So I think it's unlikely that the Fed is going to raise interest rates to the point where you can buy a CD that, you know, that would save the value of your money. And that's why, you know, people are putting their money into investments that will go up. You know, right now, the, the hot thing is commodities, gold, oil, copper, nickel, whatever, and companies that are involved in those businesses, steel. But this is where probably, you know, I can't offer investment advice. I've, in fact, my own investment efforts have always been almost universally unsuccessful in, throughout my life. But this is where I would say talk to a fiduciary financial advisor, not somebody who sells commissioned products, but a company that is actual, an actual fiduciary where you pay them for their service and, or they make their money when you make money rather than the, the basically con artist advisors. Peggy, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. I don't, frankly, I don't know of any other way to, to, to get around inflation. For most people, their biggest investment is their house, and that will go up in value along with inflation. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. 
Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two ends, or enter the code Hartman, the two ends, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two ends, or enter the code Hartman, the two ends, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back. So my rant today over at HartmanReport.com is titled, Can We Restore America's Loss of Agency Amidst a World Gone Insane? And the frame of this, the whole big thing, is that the Supreme Court has basically turned our lives over to the billionaires and giant corporations, and that has left Americans feeling powerless and angry. Agency is the ability to control yourself and your own life. Loss of agency is a psychological term and sociological term for people no longer being able to influence the course of their own life or the world around them. The phrase is usually used or often used to describe the situation of what are usually women suffering from severe spousal abuse. They're physically and psychologically beaten and physically beaten into submission. Uh, locked in their homes, unable to work, afraid to even connect with friends and family. They have lost agency, lost control over their lives. But it also describes far less severe situations, like when people in the workplace lose control of their work lives because of unregulated markets, when they can't provide for themselves or their families because of poverty, or when they want social or political change but are regularly thwarted by bought-off politicians like, you know, every Republican and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. It's sometimes described as a loss of power, but it's really much, much bigger than that. And I would argue that Tucker Carlson's recent attacks on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and his uh, incredibly insulting uh, pet name for her, he calls her Sandy, uh, is a classic example of how a commentator or TV show host can convert his viewers' sense of political loss of agency into outrage. And when you step back a little bit, you see that this loss of agency is actually impacting Americans in a huge way in several different categories of our lives. The first and obvious one is the workplace. Over the last 40 years of Reaganomics and Reagan's war on unions, you know, we've gone from a third of Americans being unionized to about 6%. People have lost any power any agency in the workplace. And wages have been flattened all this time. This, again, the, the consequences of Reaganomics. This all started, by the way, this has been a Republican strategy for a long time. This started in 1947, when Harry Truman vetoed the, the Taft-Hartley Act and Congress overrode his veto. 
He said that this would contain, it contains seeds of discord that would plague this nation for years to come. And sure enough, we've got now 27 states that have become right to work for less states where people have completely lost agency in the workplace. But that's just one of the areas. It's the Tom Hartman program. I'm talking about can we restore America's loss of agency amidst a world gone insane? My op-ed over at HartmanReport.com today. Nancy in Woodland, California. Hey, Nancy, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I'm just wondering if you've seen Greg Powell's latest newsletter. I have. We we reached out to him this morning to come on the show and talk about it. There wasn't, he didn't get back to us in time for us to organize it around the show. But I I am going to be talking to him on the phone after I get off the other this afternoon about some other things. And Greg's argument is that if we ended the oil embargo against Venezuela, it would lower world oil prices because Venezuela could then start dumping oil on the international markets. I want to talk to Greg about it before we go on the air because I'm, I have two points of skepticism with regard to that. One is that the refinery capacity in uh, Venezuela, and for that matter, the drilling and export capacity, has been seriously degraded over the last couple of decades uh, as a consequence of all the corruption in that country. And secondly, the kind of oil that they produce is what's called high sulfur oil. It's a real, real dirty oil, and it requires a very special and unique kind of refinery. It's just like, I believe it was Coke Industries, built the, uh, that refinery down in Texas, right on the Gulf Coast, so that they could take Keystone XL pipeline coal slurry from Canada, refine it, and then sell the refined products overseas. Um, this, you would have to, so it took a unique kind of refinery to be able to deal with the stuff coming from Keystone XL. It would be the same thing uh, with the oil out of uh, Venezuela. So I, I just wanted to fact check it a little before I you know, went off on it, I guess. Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, but he may be right. Really he may well be right. I mean, you know, Greg yeah, used to yeah. used to report from Venezuela. He knows a hell of a lot more about Venezuela than I do. So uh, hopefully, we can follow up on that next week when I've had an opportunity to actually, you know, learn a little more about it. I, I, I don't like to just walk into things on the air cold and uh, and not know what I'm talking about. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I hope you do that. It'd be wonderful to hear what he, what uh, you have to say after talking to great. him. Great, Nancy. Thank you very much for the call, Tom in Temecula, California. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Well, I just saw a thing today where the wind uh, turbine in uh, Ireland, they're taking those, uh, repurposing those old uh, blades and using them as the main structural element for uh, bridges, for pedestrians and bicycles and emergency vehicles. Interesting. And also, the, the, on the, the wind front, there's a guy, Joe Giuseppe, his name, invented or has come up with this little um, with a wind wall. It's like S-shaped blades, a whole bunch of them in a frame, and uh, the wind spins them, sort of like those um, signs you see in the front of a store that says, you know, open uh, sale today that spins in the wind, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of a yeah. thing, but a series of them put together. And the great thing about it is not only could it be used at home for individuals, but it could be put along uh, highways, like right down the center divider on the freeway here in L.A. be tremendous. You have all that, um, the wind generated just by the traffic, which could keep them moving, and you just have them, you could have miles of them where you already have the right of way. Um, so it wouldn't take, you know, you're going to go out and buy Seems like it might create a, a, a distraction, though, all that motion. Well, it's pretty uniform, and, I, I, and it would also protect you from the oncoming traffic's headlights in the nighttime, which is, so they well, use that stuff, and they yeah. kind of eliminated. And on the subject of... of uh, uh, Before you right move to the away, next subject, just on the wind thing, no, uh, no, several people tweeted thing. me. The suggest, in fact, one of them said, "My here's a picture of my son fixing windmill blades. He said it's a whole industry, and it's not a crisis. It's not a problem. These things aren't falling apart. But occasionally, you know, they do need maintenance, and, and uh, my son is in that business. 
Um, I thought that was kind of cool. You can see it on my Twitter feed. Anyhow, back to you, Tom. Okay. Well, the last, last thing I wanted to mention was uh, there's a pilot project they started here to put uh, solar panels over our aqueduct where we move the water. So not only do we have the right-of-way for those, it protects, uh, it generates electricity and also uh, saves a ton of water from evaporation. So right. those are just three things that I wanted to mention that uh, people might not be aware of. And keeps the bird droppings out. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Tom, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Carol in Manesson, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. This isn't why I called, but I believe that Trump gave Putin the green light to go into Ukraine. I, I absolutely mean You mean, you mean uh, President Xi of China or or because or, or Donald Trump gave oh, you think Putin. Trump did. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I do. I believe yeah. that. In fact, it wouldn't surprise I think it probably me. worked the other way around. I think whatever Putin says, Trump says, oh, OK. Oh, Trump is terrified of him. I mean, you know, uh, the Russian oligarchs own Trump. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But anyway, and he hates the Ukraine. Trump does, so yeah. he wouldn't have been upset yeah, about Zelensky it. Zelensky wouldn't lie for him. <laughs> but yeah. that isn't why I called. I also believe that Trump will get away with everything. He's not going to be indicted. They'll get to everyone who tries to indict him. Yeah, I think they're going to take down his business, whether they'll succeed. I mean, there's multiple criminal prosecutions against him. Um, yep. Just because the, the Manhattan DA has wimped out, you've got uh, the uh, DA down in Fulton County, Georgia, who's going after him for for uh, you know trying to rig the election uh, or well, trying to trying to influence uh, Brad Raffson perjure. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping. I'm yeah. hoping. But yeah. anyway, the reason I called was uh, I've lived in Pennsylvania most of my life, and it used to be a pretty blue state, as I recall. Mm -hmm. I don't recall ever you know, having a red state here. Yep. But we have two real whack jobs running for Senate in the Republican uh, Senate. Mm -hmm. One is Dr. Oz. Have you heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mamet yeah. Oz or something like that. Yeah. He's a TV star, you know. As, yeah. A yeah. TV star and a grifter and a, yep. you know, a real. Uh, and, he, and he hustles vitamins, wacko. too, doesn't he? <laughs> huh? Doesn't he also hustle vitamins? I think he does, although yeah. I honestly have never seen him, but I've heard, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and also the other one uh, is David McCormick, who is really crazy. Wow. I mean, he makes Dr. Oz look sane. Wow. He makes Dr. Oz look like a Democrat. Wow. He's out to put Dr. Fauci in prison and oh, make sure yes. nobody wears masks or gets vaccinated. Or, I mean, you name it, he's a real Trump supporter, too. Yeah. How's the Democratic really, primary doing there, Carol? Is is your uh, he's the Secretary of State, I believe. Um, yes, I'm drawing yes. a blank on his name. Me too, but he's a wonderful man, <laughs> yeah. and also jo Josh Shapiro is a wonderful man. So you've got a couple of good uh, candidates there. Oh yeah, we have some really great candidates, but I'm afraid that the name recognition of some of these other ones, like Dr. Oz, yeah. is going to. Well, that's what uh, happened with Trump. Hard. You know, Americans vote for TV stars. We did for Ronald Reagan, too. Yeah, I know. It would be a disaster for this state. Yeah. It really would. Well, listen, you have a nice weekend, you and Louise. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. It's great to hear from you. I appreciate the call. Larry in Mojave, California. Hey, Larry, what's up? Yeah, hi, Tom. Going back to the point about not ideology, but uh, financial incentives. Yeah, making money on Facebook by spreading lies and fear. Yeah, well, uh, let me go a step before the popularity of Facebook. When uh, Obamacare was at issue and there were all of these so-called grassroots demonstrations everywhere, 
I inadvertently uh, infiltrated one of those things from the standpoint of the other side and was able to uh, get into conversations with them about uh, the buses and where the buses were going to take. Are you talking about the tea parties were going to be? Oh, yeah. Well, it was it was more than just the tea party. It was very obvious because. They were talking about uh, exactly what kind of money that, that they were making over time uh, and whether the hotels were going to be as good in, in that city. That was in uh, the San Gabriel Valley of California. If the hotels would be as good there, if the meals would be as good, if they were going to have it catered to the hotel this time, or if they were getting... Uh, so you're telling me, Larry, uh, that the people who were showing up for the anti-Obamacare protests with the keep your government hands off my Medicare signs, that these folks were being paid. I, I, this is the first I've heard that anybody was paid. I know that you know the the buses. I saw one story that said that uh, you know some of these buses were costing three hundred thousand dollars to repaint them with you know freedom and you know all this kind of stuff and and to transport people around. But you're saying that the people in the buses were literally being paid and they were going from town to town. It sure appeared that they were being paid. Uh, at least some of them were. And yes, indeed, they were going from town to town because I was able to, to get them in conversation like, well, you know, I, I am fairly new with this. How long have you been with this? And it's, oh, yeah, well, this is like my fifth state and this sort of thing. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I have challenged CNN and MSNBC on numerous occasions to get back into their videotape archives and look at the people and see if they're the same people that we've seen in all of these subsequent things up through January the 6th, because huh. it's pretty evident on January the 6th that the biggest part of that mob was the distraction and the diversion, and there were a few that, that had specific missions that they were trying to carry out, right. but they needed the distraction of, of, of the big mob. Yeah. And, and I'll bet you it was the same people based on that experience and having looked at a lot of TV at the time and recognizing the same faces in all of the subsequent cities after I met these folks. Interesting. Well, we do know that, you know, Ginny Thomas and her friends were raising big bucks to, to make those rallies happen anyway, that the, were the precursor, the, the day of January 6th, that were the precursor to the invasion. I haven't seen anything specifically saying that, you know, they were the ones who were, who were uh, uh, doing it. But fascinating stuff, Larry. Thanks a lot for the heads up on that. Richard in Little Rock, Arkansas. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? I hope you can clear your great mind to think of something, a domestic issue I, I've uh, been thinking about. In uh, the United States, when a woman becomes pregnant, she has two choices, give birth or abortion. The male, on the other hand, unless he voluntarily determines, says, hey, I'm the father, can just walk away from it. Of course, the female can can use uh, the law to, to try to, to deal with that. To get child support. Most often they do not. So right. to make things right, I think in the United States, it should be mandatory that the father be determined. Now, one state, Utah, does this and makes the father pay half the cost of birth. Then he's off the hook. Then it's back to the courts. This is on the assumption happened. that this is not a married couple you're talking about. Uh, it, well, either way, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. But, yeah, I mean, uh, and and the state and the, the law should have pay for that first DNA test. And, of course, if it comes back negative, then I think that should be the burden of the female until the, the positive test comes and that goes back to the male. Okay. But eliminate eliminate the choice. I mean, it's just 
grossly unfair. So it's, that's, it's, uh, that, that, w- that would have an interesting impact, I'm guessing, on support for anti-abortion legislation. I, I would think it would diminish it somewhat among men um, if, uh, yeah. <laughs> if they yeah. knew that they were going to yeah. be on the hook yeah. for the baby rather than just basically dumping it on the, on the woman and, and walking away, as so often happens. Uh, fascinating. Yes, yeah, Richard, that's that's a good one. Thank you. That, that was. I followed your, go ahead. I followed your advice. Excuse me for butting in, but it's it's so hard to get to talk to you. Sure. It's I all followed good. your your advice and offered the idea to both parties. Neither one of them, neither one of them, uh, returned. Even sent me a note thanking me for contacting them. So, in the last thing, Hillary looked like a president. Now, morning, Joe. I was so proud of her. I didn't see um, it, but uh, she has oh, been no, speaking out strongly lately. Try to see the tape tonight if you can. Yeah, she, she was beautiful and was very smart. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, I mean, if, 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 if Donald Trump hadn't become president with a little help from, from his friends in Russia, um, we would have had three, we would have a liberal majority on the Supreme Court. Uh, we would not have pulled out of the Iran deal. Iran would no longer be making nuclear weapons. We would not have pulled out of the climate accords, and the world would be becoming a safer place with regard to climate. You know, we would we would not have injured and damaged NATO, which Donald Trump did. I mean, it's just it's just breathtaking when you think of all the damage that that man did in four years and continues to do to our country along with the people who follow him, like like his uh, his boy band crowd, I guess boy and girl band crowd, Marsha Blackburn, Ted Cruz, and Lindsey Graham on Wednesday night, watching the bombs fall and applauding, apparently. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Larry in Los Angeles. Hey, Larry, what's on your mind today? Hi. I've been trying to explain for months now what you just easily stated. But it's happening in America, and that is the loss of agency. 
18 years ago, I started calling Right Wing Radio and basically uh, talking about some of the things that Republicans are doing to our country. And my voice was reaching millions. Uh, it apparently got to the Republicans that uh, people like myself was causing them to lose elections. So by 2006, between 2006 and 2008, the Republicans had lost the White House and both houses of Congress. Right. And they started banning people like me for life from their radio program. And so we started switching over to the Internet where, where you could get on the news programs and talk about these issues on uh, their comment sections. Mm -hmm. And Republicans started losing again. And then they, the news, all of the news organizations started, uh, okay, we're not going to carry the news comment sections anymore. Right. And this leads up to Donald Trump. And, and it, was, it was at this point where, they, where Donald Trump was running for second, pres for, uh, a second term in office. Mm -hmm. And this was the last news uh, out that Yahoo decided they weren't going to carry their comments anymore. It was a little too late. Donald Trump lost. But um, uh, after that, now, no one uh, allows people like me to make comments about current events. Uh, I can't call these radio stations anymore because they, number one, I was calling the right wing programs because they own 95% of the talk radio. Right. Uh, and I was trying to reach as many people as possible. But every time they realize we're still losing, they start cutting us back more and more. And it reaches a point now, the only people that I can call are uh, people that are leaned towards the left, which is exactly what they want. They yeah. have now decided that they're not going to have, uh, uh, debates with anybody anymore. It's political segregation, Including, essentially. Yeah, right. I, I, and I'm seeing the same thing here, Larry. I, I mean, you're a longtime listener to the program. You know that, you know, through the first 15 years of this show, at least once a week, I would have a conservative on a debate one of the issues of our day. And, and you know, I, I, I didn't win every debate, but I did pretty good. Um, but, you know, we would we debated all kinds of things. I mean, just, you know, dozens and dozens of topics. And none of them will come on this program anymore. I mean, you know, uh, God bless Julio. I know a lot of people hate him and I get a lot of, you know, uh, tweets saying, oh, my God, Julio. But at least he's willing to come on this program and have a, re you know, a, a semi-reasoned conversation. But, uh, you know, they, they're afraid of it. They're bifurcating they're America to they, the point they are. Where, uh, where, where we are going to be totally uh, uh, separated even though we live in the same country, there's going to be one group of, uh, of, of media for the right, one absolutely a, a complete separation, and then one for the left. Yeah. And this is what they want because they own most of the media. I ABC, agree. And, and keep CBS. your eye. And keep your eye on CNN, Larry, because the guy who is taking it over, the guy who runs the Discovery Channel, which is in the process of buying CNN, is a Trump donor. All of these people, all these people on, on our so-called liberal biased media, all of them are right wing. Yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. And that's the reason why they're all getting rid of the comment sections, because they finally realized the comment section was hurting Republicans and gaining power. And all they want to do is make sure that the Republicans are in power because they, uh, the, the oil industry, the media, the, all these big, big corporations, including Facebook and including uh, Twitter, all of these companies. Put Republicans. They used to put Republicans on there because Republicans were given given the, uh, the benefit of the doubt all the time on those programs. I I was I was banned from Facebook over ten years ago, and you didn't find me whining about it like Donald Trump is doing. Yeah. Even if I did whine, nobody was going to listen to me. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it, Larry. And and you're you're absolutely right. It is loss of agency. Thank you very much for that, Garrett in Mossy Head, Florida. Hey, Garrett, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. I've got a couple quick questions for you. Uh, first one has 
to do with political. Uh, just God forbid that the Republicans win the whole shebang on 24, uh, whoever becomes president. Uh, would they be allowed to pretty much just pardon everybody that might have gotten convicted during this period we're in? Well, this is what Trump has said he will do if he gets reelected. And the, the I, it's been a lot of years, but the Supreme Court, I'm pretty sure, has ruled that the pardon power of the president um, is, is pretty much absolute. It, there, there's a question of if the pardon power is used in a criminal fashion, um, is mm -hmm. it legitimate? And that has never been adjudicated. Nobody really knows the answer to that question, Gary. Okay, I've got another little quick horror story. I was up at the uh, little local market because I lived way out in the country, and there was a lady in my aisle that was coughing and sneezing. And I said, sound like you got the sniffle. She goes, yeah. I said, have you been tested? She said, yeah. She goes, I'm on the backside of the COVID. Oh, geez. I said, I said, ma'am, don't you realize that you're spreading that virus even though you're on the backside of it? And she said, no, no, it's, it's okay. I went, no, it's not. So I went up to the store manager, and I told him, I said, that lady right there had freely admitted that she has COVID, but she's on the backside of it, and she won't wear a mask. Are you going to do anything about it? He said, no. No, they're my customers. They do what they want. So I called, tried to call the head office and spent two, three minutes on the phone on hold, hoping to talk to, a, you know, somebody in a supervisor position. I ended up getting back to the guy that I just talked to at the store. <laughs> it's, yeah. But it just, it, it scares me, you know. Here she's yeah. coughing and sneezing. I, I ran. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would too. I mean, you know, I I am not interested. If if I if I got COVID and if I was even though it's a small percentage since I'm vaccinated and boosted, there's still a small percentage yeah. of a chance that I could end up with brain fog for the rest of my life. That would be the end of my career. That's it. Yeah, yeah it's over. Um, or you know, the heart disease. I mean, it could be the end of my life. I mean, I I, I just don't think the the risk is worth it. I I see that risk as a greater risk than driving without a seatbelt, for example. And you know, I don't have a problem driving. I'm not obsessive about it, but uh, although my car is <laughs> being heavy, but yeah, I, I get it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm highly. Uh, I've got a heart condition and COPD, so I got to run. <laughs> oh yeah, you absolutely do. You you have to be careful, Garrett. Thank you for the call. It's nice to hear from you, and I appreciate it. Uh, Helen in Belleville, Illinois. Hey, Helen, what's on your mind today? Uh, <clears throat> Ukraine. I was wondering if it would be possible uh, for a uh, peace uh, peacekeeping force like NATO or somebody with a lot of people to go into Ukraine, <clears throat> warn them ahead of time that we're coming in, and anybody that is of Russian will be told to leave within 24, 36 hours. Yeah, you can't do that. Would be that would be considered ethnic cleansing, Helen, and that that would be inappropriate. And and NATO no, I doesn't mean the 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 Russian. So that we, the main thing was... Oh, you mean the soldiers. ...peacekeeping soldiers out. Yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. okay, I get yeah. that. Yeah. There's a, a lot at stake. I mean, you know, it's one of the most mineral-rich places in, on Earth. It's also the breadbasket to Europe and the Middle East and parts of Northern Africa as well. But the question over the next few years is going to be, what about the rest of Ukraine? 
And, you know, whether the U.N. is involved or not, I don't know, but we'll see. Helen, thank you for the call. Uh, Sasha in Kent, Washington. Hey, Sasha, what's on your mind today? Well, with all this heat about Ukraine, it makes me want to step back and say, what are you doing with your other hand? Now, you were talking about mm -hmm. the decrease in democracy around the world. Mm -hmm. And no one's noticing, but who sold all these arms in Africa? And there's been a wave of military dictatorships taking over in Africa. And there's your democracy decrease happening, yeah. too. Well, I don't know who's selling all the arms in Africa, do you? I'm assuming well, that we pretty them. much every country in the world. Well, we make them. I mean, AK-47s are not made in the United States. And uh, I, I, I was in Uganda during the Ugandan Civil War, and I never saw American weapons. I saw a lot of AK-47s, or, yeah, AK-47s, the, the Kalashnikovs, they called them. Um, those right. were made uh, either in Russia or by third world countries that had licensed them, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know where all this stuff is coming from, but yeah, you're right. There, there has been. I mean, there's there's this turmoil going on, and it doesn't uh, uh, portend well for democracies around the world. Um, this is a tough time, Sasha. Thank you for the call. It's a it's a very very tough time uh, in on so many levels. I mean, you know, we've got a pandemic going. We've got um, in the last what 20 years now, we've had three near depressions worldwide. <laughs> you know, all at least two out of the three of them caused by greedy banksters. It's it's just it's a wild time. And then on top of that, we have this international conflict and I'm just waiting for the next shoe to drop with regard to China and Taiwan. We'll be back. William in Long Beach, California. Hey, William, you're on the air. Hi, Tom. Um um, I'm paying attention to Russian news really closely, and in American news, there's one thing that um, it doesn't ever gets mentioned. Mm -hmm. There's a website called Gulago.net, and it has footage, hundreds of hours of footage of prisoner abuse. You know, um, if it bleeds, it leads. It hasn't been at the desk for a long time because this is how much it bleeds. You're talking and, about um, prisoner abuse in the United States, in Russia? No, I'm in... talking about in Russia. Okay, in the Russia. Gulags. Yeah, okay. It's, uh, I mean, this, if people fear retaliation from, uh, you know, it, it's, it is torture. I mean, this has been going on long before the, you know, uh, the conflict started, and it dates back for a while. And I remember I was with you all the way on that Mueller report thing, and I remember that Magnitsky Act thing they had in there, mm -hmm. and I thought that was important. And, I mean, it hardly matters. It, it, it doesn't seem to matter that much. And, I mean, nobody wants to stick up for people incarcerated. But what they are doing is torture. There yeah. are, are deaths from beatings that last for days. Yeah. Uh, sexual abuse uh, the, uh, by, uh, by, by the guards. Yeah, I get and, it. I get it, William. This is, this is, by the way, not uncommon around the world right now, sadly. I mean, you know, the same thing is happening well, I mean, uh, in many uh, of your Middle Eastern the, the, prisons. Didn't, didn't the, isn't the director of Interpol, like the new one? So someone who, who has, who has uh, um, you know, is notoriously known for human rights abuse and violations. I I, mean, I, uh, I don't know, William. You you I, I, have you have gone beyond my knowledge of those things. Uh, Jake in Seattle. Hey, Jake, what's up? Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. I'm going to agree with one of your previous callers. I think the timing with the Ukraine crisis—not the timing of the crisis, but the timing of our response—is a little bit suspicious as far as it relates to Biden's approval numbers, 
the Build Back Better uh, bill not passing, the Voting Rights Act not passing. So do you think that you're, you're saying, Jake, that you think that Biden is responding to Russia the way that he is at the time that he is because he thinks it'll help him politically? Yeah, I think that that's at least part of the motivation. I mean, hasn't this, this conflict been ongoing for years? No. Uh, between Russia and Ukraine? Well, no, the, I mean, the, you know, yeah. I mean, Crimea. Yeah, for the better part of uh, at least a decade or in the neighborhood of a decade. But so I don't think Joe Biden drove The that. United States aggression, and rightfully so. I mean, what Russia's doing is wrong. And like, I support Biden's actions committed to not putting boots on the ground and, and you know, unilateral sanctions. But why now? I mean, I mean, are they, it, it seems like what Russia is doing is in response to the rhetoric that America and the international community is posing, and that seems to only have recently come. I to think the I think level part of that. why now has to do with just military realities on the ground. I mean, this is um, it was in February in 2014 when they took Crimea. This time of year in that part of the world, the, 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 there's a lot of frozen ground that you can easily move tanks and troops over that becomes really, really problematic in the spring when everything starts getting wet and soggy. That probably has more to do with it than anything else. But again, I don't well, present as myself as, as a military to, expert. We need to keep an eye on this, Tom. As progressives, we need to make sure that we're not blindly supporting the military-industrial complex. I agree Thank with you, you on that, time. Jake. I agree with you on that. Thanks a lot for the call. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lawrence in St. Paul, Minnesota, listening to KTNF. Hey, Lawrence, what's up? Hey, how you doing? You had your caller, Teresa, on. You say it was a bit far-fetched that uh, this may be political motivation. And uh, I tend to disagree with you, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because now, and just to clarify, Lawrence, what we're talking about here is her assertion or her question that Putin's timing might have had something to do with trying to hurt Biden, Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think or I think benefit Trump. Yeah, yeah, benefit Trump because it'll be easier for for um, for Putin to to uh, lay out his plan. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something a little bit. For Putin, he's a very smart, calculating guy, and this is what he's done. It's perfect. He doesn't care if he lose if he has to pull back his troops from Ukraine or if he has or if he wins. It's a win-win situation for him because if he takes Ukraine, he's got a mineral-rich country, a country that is strategically placed for further advances. If he has to pull back, he will say, "Look, see," and he's already he he hasn't stopped infiltrating America's social media, America uh, 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 social media where where he's uh, keeping us divided. If he has to pull back, he will simply say this. Look at look at these Americans. They want to save Ukrainian, European Americans, I mean European people, their democracy, but they don't care about the black democracy in 
United States. And that will what that will do is further divide the United States, where he will pull back from Ukraine, and about five to ten years later, he will go in and will not be opposed because America will be totally divided from all sides. He will beat us from that side, and, and, and the Chinese will beat us on the other side. And let me tell you how I can, and you can prove this. And I called you about a year ago about this, Tom, about Elaine Chow and and how, look, look for Senator Mitch McConnell. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. He will finish his term out at the end of his next term. He will not run again. I'll tell you why. Because after after uh, Putin gets get through gets through with Ukraine, he will move into Belarus and knows. And I called you. About he already a took Belarus, about- Lawrence, last week. Uh, I'm, he's got thirty thousand yeah. troops in Belarus, and he's just said, "I'm not leaving." I mean, that's the definition of "we have occupied you, we now own you." And that's perfect. And what is he going to do next? Watch for Mitch McConnell to 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 uh, retire because Elizabeth Chow. Is she has very Elaine. good interest in these? And I'm, I'm sorry, Elaine. She has very good interest in Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Those are important shipping ports. Right. Those shipping ports will be a threat, and they will cut their losses because she is a shipping. Um, she she has inherited the, the, their shipping right. business. Hundreds of millions of dollars worth of shipping business. Yeah, you're, you're right. She's a, a shipping uh, mogul. Or her family. I mean, you know, and and yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't know, uh, Lawrence. I mean, I, I'm skeptical of of. Whoop, excuse me. I I just hung up on you. I didn't mean to. Um. Uh. But uh, I, I'm skeptical of elaborate conspiracy theories here. I'm I'm more inclined to think that what we see going on is exactly what's going on. But you never know. Don in Grand Blanc, Michigan. Hey, Don. What's on your mind today? <laughs> Very good uh, points that guy was making. Yeah. Is uh. Pleasure to talk to you. I watch your show a lot. Thank you, Doug. But my thing is, I think until we prosecute Trump and show his supporters that this guy was everything that he said he was, a fraud, a gangster, the country's going to be more divided, and and we're not going to be able to focus on what Russia's doing. We have to get our home together, both parties together and call Trump out for what he is. I don't disagree that we need to prosecute Trump. I mean, you know, the guy broke so many laws, it's it's hard to keep a list. But what that has to do with international relations, I'm missing here, Don. I I, I do think that we can do more than one thing at a time. I hope so. But with Ukraine, Biden is doing the right thing. We're going to have to just support countries that we support. And we should be putting troops in Poland. I would not want to be Vladimir or Volodymyr Zolinsky right now, you know, the president of Ukraine. It's got to be a really tough one. What do you think Biden's next move should be? I don't know. I, I, I'm out of my depth in this. I mean, I have opinions, but I am not uh, some kind of national security genius. I just, I just, uh, you know, I am trusting right now, and I, and I realize that I should qualify this by saying that, you know, we all got burned by trusting the State Department, the CIA and whatnot back in, in the right. 60s with Vietnam and, and back in 2003 with Iraq, badly burned. But at the moment, I don't see an alternative to trusting Biden and Blinken and, and those guys to, to do the right thing and support them in it. But uh, Don, I got to run. Thanks for the call.
Our book for today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is uh, Proof of Collusion, How Trump Betrayed America by Seth Abramson. This is from the chapter one, page 14. Up until 1987, Donald Trump was not regarded as a particularly political public figure. However, in 1987, he published The Art of the Deal and took a trip to Moscow, one or both of which sent him in the direction of a political career. Trump's trip to Moscow in 1987 comes at the invitation of Russia's ambassador to the United States, Yuri Dubinin. In Moscow, Trump stays at the Lenin Suite of the Hotel National, which, as Jonathan Chait of New York Magazine notes, certainly would have been bugged in 1987. Trump holds meetings on the possible construction of a Trump hotel with Soviet officials. Coming away from the meetings, certain that the officials are eager to do business with him. On returning to the United States, Trump spends nearly $100,000 on politically charged newspaper ads attacking American allies like Japan and Saudi Arabia for spending too little on their own defense. He urges America to, cut, to quote, tax these wealthy nations, end quote, and shortly thereafter makes a high-profile trip to New Hampshire, the sort of trip that is often considered a prelude to a presidential bid. Trump's 1987 bid for a Trump hotel in Moscow falls through, according to the Washington Post, only because Trump was, quote, preoccupied with other business projects. Once Trump's companies recover from a string of bankruptcies in 91 and 92, he returns his attention to the Russian market. In 96, he returns to Moscow with Howard Lorber, one of his two closest friends, according to the Post. Together, they scout locations for an office tower and eventually find a location for the tower and a prospective Russian business partner. Trump announces plans for a Trump International branded building in November of 96. The deal will see him investing $250 million in licensing his name to two buildings. We have an understanding we'll be doing it, Trump says. At the press conference promoting the deal, he says he doesn't think he's ever been as impressed with the potential of a city as I have been with Moscow. However, Trump has a problem. American banks will no longer lend him money, citing his track record for paying back only pennies on the dollar, what the banks called the Donald risk. Trump envisions a much larger series of investments. He tells the New Yorker, it would be skyscrapers and hotels. We're working with the local government, the mayor of Moscow and the mayor's people. So far, they've been very responsive. As Trump's 1996 plans finally fall through for good, Russia begins a period of political upheaval that sees the nation led by five successive prime ministers appointed by Boris Yeltsin over a 15-month period in 98 and 99. The last of these prime ministers is a man by the name of Vladimir Putin. Putin, the former first deputy chairman, the equivalent of deputy mayor of St. Petersburg, develops a fondness for Miss St. Petersburg. It's widely known that he has a picture of her in his office. After Fedorova wins the 2001 Miss Russian pageant, rumors abound, spurred in part by the presence of Putin's domestic intelligence service, the FSB, acting as security at the competition, that the pageant has been rigged so that Fedorova will win. Local media say that either the pageant was corrupt or its organizers knew instinctively it would be unwise, not politically correct, according to the Telegraph, to let anyone but Fedorova win. In winning the Miss Russia pageant, Fedorova becomes Russia's entrant to the 2002 Miss Universe pageant, an international competition owned by Donald Trump. There is substantial press attention on the pageant in Moscow as Fedorova wins the competition and makes pageant history as the first Miss Universe from Russia to win the contest. After there are only 10 contestants left in the 2002 Miss Universe pageant, an elimination process that Trump directly participates in the Trump addresses the pageant's celebrity judges and indicates that he wants Miss Russia crowned Miss Universe. The source reports Trump saying, quote, there's definitely clearly one woman out there who's head and shoulders above the rest. She's the one I'd vote for. 
Given the context of the statement, Trump issuing his formal instructions to the judges as they prepared for the conclusion of the pageant, as well as his demeanor while speaking, Trump, quote, told the judges who to vote for, adding that a subsequent conversation among the celebrity judges revealed that several had the same impression. The judges did, in fact, vote for Miss Russia, who thereby becomes Miss Universe until her dethroning 120 days later for failure to faithfully execute the duties of her office. The contest celebrity judges are later told by parties affiliated with the pageant that Fedorova has been dethroned because of unspecified criminal contact, proof of collusion. Jeff in Portland. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thanks for all you do. And, you know, of course, my heart and thoughts are with the Ukrainian people and President Zelensky, you know, against this barbaric invasion. And you think Putin might have been prodded by China into invading. And I would add Putin was also certainly emboldened, knowing he had anti-democratic, fascist-loving mouthpieces like Trump and Tucker Carlson on his side here in oh, America. Yeah. These two are, in my opinion, they're the present-day equivalents of Charles Lindbergh and Father Coughlin from back in the 1930s. Yeah. And also, Tom, someone called earlier about uh, Greg Palace and his proposal to weaken Putin by ending the sanctions on Venezuela, allowing uh, their oil to be exported. And as we talked about last week, embargoes, you know, they really only hurt the average person. Yep. And, and, and I, I, re I, I researched it, and Nick Kristof wrote, actually wrote a piece uh, for the New York Times in November of 2019 titled, Venezuela's Kids Are Dying, Are We Responsible? And I would answer that affirmatively. So we should end the embargo there. And oh, absolutely. Tom, we should have ended yeah. the embargo a long time ago for all the reasons that you just described. What I was unsure about is whether ending the embargo on Venezuelan oil would cause the price of oil to drop. I, I don't know right. that. And, and I'm looking forward to, to actually reading, you know, Greg's thoughts on that and, and, you know, if he's pulled together any research on it. Yeah. And well, one thing also that might keep the price of oil lower here, and this is my last comment, is if this is from Common Dreams yesterday, uh, there's over a thousand environmental groups calling for President Biden to use the State of the Union speech to declare a climate emergency. Mm -hmm. And among other things, if he did this, it would allow him to reinstate the crude oil export ban, which that's something Trump got rid of. So by reinstating that ban and keeping our oil here, you know, we might be able to contain inflation, which is largely being driven from these uh, rising oil prices. So uh, what do you think about that? I think that you have put your finger on something really important, and I, I don't know if he can do it with an executive order, but it needs to be done. Uh, Jeff, thank you. So special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce, the Hammer Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick Hoyt, Gerilyn Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabbermocky, Jay LeBlanc, Carna Arroyo, and Carne Verde, the folks who all work so hard every day to help make this program sing. And a thank you to you for reaching out to our affiliates and stations and letting them know that you appreciate what we're doing. And, you know, keep it up. So get out there, get active, tag your it. Have a great afternoon. Pray for peace. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.